welcome back to the Dicebreaker Podcast. This is episode 20, the big 2-0. The, either 20 is the number that matters to you, or it's 21 if you're like in the US. Mm. I've never... Mm. Whatever. It's, but this is 20. We can celebrate 21 next week. Uh, I am Matt Jarvis, fumbling my way through this intro as usual. I'm the editor-in-chief of Dicebreaker, and this week I'm joined by three of the team. I'm joined by Johnny Kierdini, head of video for Dicebreaker. How are you doing, Johnny? I'm fine. I'm, I, I'm in a surprisingly good mood at the minute, uh, which I think is just due to um, lack of sleep, because uh, it is very, very, very hot in the UK right now, and I am poorly equipped to deal with it. Winter forever. Please save me from this nightmare. You've gone past the point of like exhausted tiredness to just... Delirious. I'm in the yeah. purple zone, fully. Winter is coming. Oh, goodness. <laughs> Bringing back yep. Game of Thrones is Alex Lowley's. Hello, Lowley's. <laughs> it's coming back. How it's are you? Me. I don't think it ever really left. Let's just let's just be real. <laughs> Winter no, never left. It, it seemed to drop into the ocean after that last episode. Oh, everyone just stopped yeah, talking about I mean, it. Ten years of season. constant discord, and then everyone went. Let's just let's just stop talking about this. Yeah, <laughs> let's forget let's, this happened. Let's pretend it never happened. Exactly. Um, we're all still waiting for him to write that book, aren't we? Well, I am anyway, because the books are really good. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh yeah, it's me. Hi. I'm here also. <laughs> and it's... <laughs> That's it. That's it. All right. Rounding out the team is Alex Meehan. Hello, Meehan. How are you? It's me, Alex Meehan. Yeah, I'm all right. Um uh I'm sort of on the verge of like boiling. Like I'm in that that place where you're sat there waiting for the bubbles to appear. So there are no bubbles at the moment. I, I I'm just riding it out, riding it out, Matt Jarvis. Sure. I'm like and extremely that... sleep deprived. Like I keep waking up at exactly ten past five in the morning, mm-hmm. and when I woke up this morning at ten pa- past five, I realized it's because I think it's like the point at which our room is the hottest and the stuffiest, and I physically can't breathe, and I have to wake up so I can like make sure to take some breath. Oh god, it's nightmarish in a way. Yeah, Yeah, this is for people who live in other countries. This is what happens to the UK when it gets vaguely kind of hot. Our houses are not designed for it and our bodies suffer. My my wife uh, yesterday read out a headline to me and I was sort of only half paying attention. and the headline was like, by the end of the century, the UK could hit 40 degrees regularly. And I didn't catch the century bit. So I was like, what? What? Say that again. What? 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 Because I was thinking, oh, my God, by the end of this year, we could be hitting 40 degrees all the time. <sighs> and then oh, she no. said century. And I said, oh, thank God I'll be dead. So, <laughs> you know. That's Sorry really about it, future mood. generations. But, um, That's but, yeah. really a mood. Oh, thank boy. God I'll be dead. <laughs> it's just, I was thinking this morning, it's no wonder ancient civilizations came up with like rain gods and would do... Uh, you know, like dances and or, you know, rituals and or, you know, rites to try and bring the reins because just looking at Twitter, everyone has just got lost it. Everyone is just like, honestly, they're praying to Twitter for it to rain where they are because they can see other people tweeting about rain. This is the modern equivalent of that, really. Just tweeting. Anyway, has anyone ever heard of board games? Yeah! Yeah. (laughs) Nothing to do. Let's talk about the weather some more. (laughs) <laughs> of course we are here to talk about board games and tabletop role-playing games both those which we have been playing and those which we may be playing in the future mm. uh, and as usual 
I don't know why I'm running through this podcast like it's the first time. As usual, we open this podcast with what we've been playing this week. Um, <laughs> let's go with Lowly's. Let's go with you first this week. What have you been playing? What, me? I was so um, not expecting this question. I've been playing Tobago. Um, <laughs> which, For those uh, of you listening to the audio version, Lowly's just gestured at a copy of Tobago behind her on a shelf. <laughs> The only board game behind me on a shelf also. <laughs> um, yeah, it's it's a game I brought up on a on a previous podcast um, that I I love it. It's one of my favorite games, but it's kind of hard to get a copy. And also no one seems to ever know it when I mention it to them. Um, but it's really, really good. Um, I got myself a copy and I've been playing it ever since. Um, so I taught it to um, my housemate. Then I taught it to my boyfriend, and then we all played it together. So we've had a few games, and we've always like gone outside, and it kind of like feels really hot, and it feels like you're in like on an island looking for treasure. It feels very realistic, which is uh, what the game is. Um, you're essentially like it's kind of odd because you kind of in a way are working together by placing down pieces of a treasure map to narrow down the location of a treasure, but also you want to get to the treasure first because you get more spoils. Um, and it's really, really good, and I highly recommend it. But it is hard mm. to get a copy. Lonies, uh, I'm imagining you taking this to the next step and just actively trying to play a real life version of debate. <laughs> oh, mate, I still would. If somebody was to like hide some treasure around London, I'd be all over that. <laughs> I, did, I did see. I think for Catan, because Catan turned twenty this year. I think they they um, I was going to say shaved, but that's not the word you use. They mowed a Catan board into a field somewhere in Germany. Oh, um, I don't that's know if they cool. played a game of Catan using the board, or if oh, they just did a load of hexes. But it's pretty cool. Yeah, like sheep. You've got your sheep. Real sheep, got, and they just wander. Yeah, and you've got all, like big rocks. And you have to carry the, like when you trade wood, you physically have to pick up like logs of wood and like bring them to the yeah. other player. Oh yeah, the the rubber properly beats you up. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> It's uh yeah, it's it's taxing, but it really yeah. puts an interesting spin on things. <laughs> Sign me up. Also, um I played a game of Camel Up. Which yes. uh, actually Yes. Which we was did. with all of you guys. Yeah Camel Up. Camel Up. That was, was fun. fun. It's been a while. Yeah, it was good fun. Yeah, I hadn't played in a very long time and I'd sort of had forgotten much of the rules mm. and was also quite full of whiskey. Yes. So mm. the first three turns I was like, I'm gonna I'm just going to do this thing. If if I do this thing on my turn end, great. And then I remembered how to play and got really into it. So yeah, I, it is it is still good. I appreciated Loli as you being there to try and keep us on track because this was <laughs> this was at the end of like a a few hours of having a few drinks together, mm-hmm. and which I think Camel Up is like best at those kind of times because it's quite a fun, like it's it's simple it's but it's silly. like oh you're just watching things go around a track and stack on yeah. Your yeah. It was like herding cats. I'm not going to lie. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. <laughs> On, hey, online boozy socials. It turns out they're the they're the future. Yeah. yeah, I started out really well, and then I just don't know what happened. I think I sort of fell off what was going on, and then I started like throwing my life savings on those camels. And oh, there were some big, big old bets going on, <clears throat> to be sure. I'm ruined, ruined afterwards. <laughs> but yeah. Right, there you go. Yeah. Uh, okay, I think if that's everything you've been playing, Lowly, that's all. That's, yeah. Uh, I, you know what? I'll go second because m- mine's yeah, very boring. So we'll oh, get me out of the way because no. I've been playing 
almost nothing, uh, other than Camelot, which we all played together. Um, I've only really been planning to play games, so I've been trying to plan to return to my Trail of Cthulhu campaign uh, with my RPG group. Um, I've also been reading the rulebook for Lancer, which is the mech RPG, uh, but I haven't gone any further with that yet. I've just gone through it and gone, wow, these mechs look cool, we should play this. Um, I'm very excited to try that. And I, thanks to one Wheels, Michael Whelan of Dicebreaker Team, um, I've been looking into buying a box of Infinity <gasps> models because oh my God, he's doing it. Because we'll get into this in news, but a fourth edition has just been announced of Infinity. And then I started looking at Infinity again and going, hey, you know, these mo- these models look really good. And actually, mm-hmm. the lore of this world is really like good compared to the kind of like the forty k stuff where you have to kind of sidestep uh, slightly grimier aspects of the the universe. The the Infinity stuff just looks great, and it's it's low model count, which is always appealing. And there's a new edition on the way. So I've been so of course, naturally I went from that to I'm going to buy a hundred pounds worth of infinity models and 3D terrain. Good on you, Matt. Uh, or at least I would have if it hadn't sold out in the time between me going, Should I do this? and me actually hitting the button. Um, oh. but it it's probably there in my future. But uh, I'm I'm excited to get stuck into Infinity because the more I read it, I spent most evenings this week looking at the lore of Infinity and going like, hmm, which sectoral army should I be? (laughs) Well, JSA seems really appealing because I like the mechs, but then Hak Islam has like some really interesting like lore. There's the combined army and that they seem to play quite well, and then like using like apparently on the gameplay side they're the most adaptable so i'm just really going through in granular detail going through all the wikis and trying to balance out how i play versus Mm. the the background stuff which is the most i've been invested in a miniatures game in a few years probably to this level of like research behind it um but this all of this is to say i've actually been playing very little um so (laughs) let's move on to you johnny because i believe you have actually been playing something so much um so uh I've, i mean there's the usual uh tabletop rpg stuff i've been doing deadlands uh, i played a game of D because luke westaway took over the ox venture for a session uh mm-hmm. and ran it which was lovely um also i believe it might already be out by the time this podcast goes live i played lasers and feelings with them as part of the the metaverse which is a read pop initiative of lots of different things kind of going on um so uh, it's basically Ox Venture in Space, and it will be streamed out live. We pre-recorded it just in case, but it's going to be streamed out live, um, and it's a, a lot of fun. Lasers and Feelings is such a good game to run. Like, it's such a John Harper game. But uh, more excitingly, my local Warhammer club has reopened. So I played a game of Age of Sigma Warcry. Uh, I lost by a nose hair. Uh, I'm kind of really annoyed with myself. If I had activated one model instead of another one on the final turn I would have won as it was my friend was able to activate a model and tie mine up in combat so I couldn't make it to the objective and win Uh, but uh, last night we didn't bother playing uh, Warcry we played Spirit Island and we played some of the crew Um, so that was great it was just lovely to be back around the table just like silently winning tricks with people and we nearly played Rallyman GT I finally (laughs) opened up the copy I bought after we streamed it on Tabletop Simulator and I punched out all the things and I organised all of the bits into the bags so you just take a coloured bag and you've got everything you need to start playing and then we didn't have time to play but uh, yeah, it's bloody lovely and Spirit Island is a cracker mm-hmm. it turns yeah, out yeah, that's what I've wanted to try for a while it, it is lovely, I mean 
like my friend was like, well, it's, there's quite a lot to take in, but it's a cooperative deck builder. And my other friend and I were like, yes, d- we're, we're doing it. We want, yeah. we want this. Because it's, um, what it is, is, I mean, basically it's the anti-Catan. You are playing as spirits on sort of an island and there are these invaders who are coming to build um, and explore and ravage, um, which is to say they're sort of taking out the indigenous uh, population, they're building towns and cities and they're moving troops out through the land. And each turn you get stronger as the game goes on and you manifest powers to kind of push back the onslaught. So um, it's it starts out and you're really on the back foot, but then eventually there's a turning point where you've acquired lots of new cards and you've got a little engine going and you really start hammering back. Um, and, you know, we won, which which felt really, really good. But it is a game that is basically like... It's like table captain proof, it feels like, because everyone's got their own hand of cards. They choose what to play and they choose what they're going to spend their energy on each turn. So it's... Even though it's cooperative, no one's like, well, if you do this and blah, blah, blah. Instead, it was like, I can do this. Where where would be most helpful? Or is there any way I can push this towards you? And you can deal with it. And it's oh, it's, it's a, a heckin' delight. Um, mm. I really want to play it again, especially now I've sort of got to grips with it. So, yeah, can thoroughly, thoroughly recommend. Mm, definitely I, on my radar. Mm-hmm. I just remembered I've been playing lots of Star Realms also. <laughs> that's, that's sort of just that's a given I for one am shocked I've been <laughs> playing with with some of the inventors though and I've beat them just wanted to put that out there okay that's quite impressive but I yeah. did good things I think but I've also lost a lot of games like magic pros as well like former magic I don't know if they're world champions but they're definitely like pro pro level of magic I mean so the thing a, is yeah that's a hell of an achievement there's two ways you can play the game. You can play it in real time or you can play like 48 hour turns and we were playing the 48 hour turns one. I think it does change the game a little bit because you not, don't necessarily remember what you were doing or like what the other person was doing, I think. So like, I think if it was like a real time game, it might've worked out like completely different, but I still won. I, I'm taking it. <laughs> I'm taking it, I'm running with it. <laughs> <laughs> All right, me and try and follow that with what you've been playing. Have you yeah, been great. <laughs> Well, I lost the game of Scythe. <laughs> it the returns. game of life or the game of Scythe? No one I mean, wins both, in the game really, of life. Isn't it? Like, <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm playing Scythe again. Yay! Um, yay! Scythe update, I guess. Um, yeah, a lot. <laughs> wow. Is that enthusiasm? <laughs> yep. That, yeah, yeah, I guess. Is that enthusiasm yeah. that I was hired mm-hmm. for? Uh, yeah, last week uh, we played Scythe Online with the usual gang, uh, and um, I don't. I just feel like I don't really know what happened again. Like I feel like I was doing really well. I was playing as Crimea, and I got like loads of stars, uh, and I had like you know all my mechs and everything, uh, and I came last by one point. And the person who beat me had no stars whatsoever. They just were really popular. Once again, lack of popularity bites me in the butt. Cry me a river. (laughs) And then the the person who won just wiped the floor. Like, Mm. there was no chance there. Um, uh, Yeah, that happened. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) uh, Like Loli said, we play Camel Up. Uh, and also, uh, what did we play yesterday, Lolis? Oh, Zhangxi. 
Jiangshi. Yeah, we played we played Jiangshi, uh, Blood in the Banquet Hall, which is very which good. Is a very good uh, RPG still on. Well, it won't be on. No, by the time this goes out, the Kickstarter will have ended. Podcast goes out, but there will be late backers available, I believe. Um, it was really unusual. It was like a mixture of a of a kind of board game with an RPG because there was a full board that you could interact with and various cards and things like that. And you play as a Chinese immigrant family living in San Francisco during the 1920s. Uh, and you run a restaurant uh, and by day you're kind of dealing with managing the restaurant and you know coping with uh, incidents of both institutional and like individual moments of racism uh, and all the kind of different struggles of that period and then during the night you're having to deal with Zhongxi which are hopping vampires um, who attempt to drain your life essence or chi uh, and you have to work together as like a family unit to try and cope with both of those those things and it was just really it was really fun it was run by the banana chan one of the writers and sing fung lim one of the designers um i mean they both co-designed it but um yeah, it was it was really interesting, and we had a lot of fun with it, didn't we, Loli? Yes, yeah, yeah, we did. It was it was quite it was quite, I think, unusual uh, for me at least to play an RPG where we're all part of the same family. Um, mm. It was a really interesting thing as well because we we're obviously like Chinese immigrants, and I was I was playing the grandmother, so I was second generation, um, and so I my English wasn't very good. My spoken and my speaking and understanding of it wasn't very good. My and I couldn't write it at all. Um, whereas Alex Mian was playing as my granddaughter, um, and was mostly like communicating in English, and her Cantonese wasn't very good. So there was like this interesting mechanic where if I said something to her, I would usually be speaking Cantonese because that, that's like that was what my character would do. Um, but then like she'd have to roll to see if she kind of understood what I was saying to her. Um, and then Wheels was playing my son, or also me and dad, who was kind of like the bridge between us as well and who could have like kind of bridged that communication. But it, that, that was a really interesting element of it because um, I'd never really... Language... I, I mean, I haven't been like in RPGs that long, but language hasn't really come into RPGs like that for me before. Um, and from someone like for someone who does come from another country and who had to learn English and all this and like who has dealt with like communication issues like a long time ago but like that was a really interesting element for it um, and I, re I really enjoyed that bit like um, yeah it was even like there was bits where um, that kind of added to how my character would react to certain situations um, I mean you'll see in the video yourself but there was a moment where uh, Mian's character was kind of in a conf uh, conflict with uh, another, well, with an American uh, person, um, and they were communicating in English, and I was the only person who was there who could have kind of intervened, but at the same time, my English wasn't that good, so I ended up, like, not stepping in because it didn't seem right, like, it didn't feel like my character could have, like, actually helped her in that situation. So it was, like, a, quite an interesting thing that I really enjoyed. Hmm. Mm. There are some, like, really interesting mechanics in play, 
with that game and there are like consequences to to negative things happening to you like you have different um I'm trying to remember what they were called. There were there were like abilities that you could use to help re-roll dice and and add um, dice when you needed to. Uh, and like if something negative happens to you, like it did to my character, they will get covered up by like those negative feelings or you know that event that that happened to you. And you have to you know work together to try and remove those and you know get that ability back again. Um, and you know you had different uh, jobs that you had to do in order to keep the restaurant running. If you didn't do the jobs, the restaurant sort of suffered for it. So yeah, it was it was really interesting. Sounds yeah. great. It, like yeah. genuinely, everyone came off the off the game and sort of wandered into our Slack channel, and everyone was just buzzing about it. So like, yeah. I, I can't wait to watch the the let's play back. But I'd love to give it a go as well. It just seems yeah. like yeah, it seems yeah. really unique. Yeah, the language stuff is. Because I think in in games like D and D, there's the most obvious. But it's like you either you speak a language or you don't. Like you will have it yeah. as some kind of list. So it's really interesting to see a game like a tangible gameplay element where it's like, oh, you understand some of this, or there's difficulty yeah. in communicating, rather than just like, oh, you know what they said, or they or you don't. Yeah, because it was really like essentially like game. three dots on your player board that told you how well you can you are in a certain language, like how well you spoke, how well you understood, and stuff. So like. I only had one dot on like speaking and understanding English, for example, which meant like I I had like broken English kind of. Whereas like if you had none, you obviously wouldn't understand it at all. If you had three, you're almost like a professor in that language. So like the it it that was yeah. I yeah, really right. yeah. I really am interested to try more RPGs that integrate like full on like board game kind of mechanics into them. Um, I think mm -hmm. it's something that you don't see enough of, and I would like to see more of that. Done well. Right. Excellent. Have you been playing anything else? No! <laughs> Alright. <laughs> Let's move on, in that case, to news. Uh, Yay! <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> Well, I'm excited for news, even if I am too. Actually, let's let's roll into news because again, it's been quite a busy week. Um, I think, despite everything, uh, obviously the the ongoing impact of uh, the COVID nineteen pandemic. Like, hope everyone's staying safe out there, wearing masks, uh, looking after each other. Um, it's obviously impacted the board game industry as a whole, but there are actually quite a few announcements now coming out. So I think, in some ways, we're seeing it maybe ramp up to, you know. To when things eventually return, or at least mm. um, maybe things that were delayed because of the pandemic are now being able to to find their way out there. But the uh, big announcement, I suppose, one of the big announcements this week is a new Blood Bowl, uh, which Johnny for for those on the podcast, Johnny's now throwing his hands in the air with uh, the excitement of like he just someone, don't care. Someone with on a roller coaster. Abandon. Like uh, I was going to oh. say Ricky Martin, but it's not Ricky Martin. Who did life as a... It's Ronan Keating. Um, I've been listening to uh, Live in La Vida Loca quite a lot lately. Uh, for reasons I won't go into, basically we have a shared Spotify playlist uh, while we're playing Final Fantasy, and there's Living La Vida Loca, and it comes up with alarming regularity. It's a great song. Uh, That's a classic. Uh, but it's Ronan Keating that Johnny reminded me of uh, with his excitement for Blood Bowl's second season edition. Yeah, um, and I think I can imagine Ronan Keating also being excited about for Blood, Blood Bowl. Bowl. Yes. Oh, 100%. Uh, 
Uh, we so, play elves. <laughs> uh, this is a, a follow-up to Blood Bowl 2016 edition. Uh, so the second season edition is a much less awkward name, uh, which was a kind of a relaunch of Blood Bowl, the classic Warhammer fantasy sports game. Uh, for mm. those who aren't familiar, it's basically American football uh, put into the Warhammer universe. So you get to stomp on... Oh, wow. What edition is that, Johnny? I think it's either first or second. Wow. For those of you listening to the audio-only version, I'm holding up, I think, possibly a first edition copy of Blood Bowl. Yeah. That, thing, um, it's as old as me. That troll elf is incredibly jacked. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I have to say. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Blood Bowl is a game full of jacked uh, individuals. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, oh, uh, yeah. So, yeah, it's, it's like American football, but you can tackle people and injure them and I think outright kill them at points <laughs> if you are really nasty. Um, it's, it's basically a game of Warhammer, but on a pitch. Uh, so yeah. you're trying to score goals by getting the ball to the end, but the ball can also be, like, punted into people and you can tackle them and stomp on them and try and cheat. It's, I really love Blood Bowl. Uh, it's yeah. maybe my favourite Warhammer-related thing. Um, mm. I just think it is great fun. Sometimes a little long, but generally just... It it really gets a tone going for it, where it's just like, this is silly. Um, mm. And you get all the different teams. So, yes, yeah, second, season, second Season Edition um, is a new version of the 2016 game, so it's not a massive overhaul in terms of rules. Uh, but it is introducing a new team, um, the Imperial Nobility, um, which is then split into a number of different factions, um, including the Bogenhafen Barons. Of course. Uh, who have Griff o- Overworld, who is a, a well-known name from Blood Bowl lore, because uh, you have mm-hmm. star players and you can play in leagues uh, if you're really into it. Um, but yes, so that that's essentially it. There's some There's some rules updates, there's some various other bits, there's some new models. Um, I believe they said it, it's out later this year, uh, but they haven't said how much it's going to cost or when it might be out. Uh, but it looks looks pretty good if you're looking to get into Blood Bowl. Mm-hmm. The models are amazing, and yes, I'm very, very excited. Mm. I do like the idea of you know Warhammer, the kind of universe where people are going full-on you know, fights and, and epic finales, and they're just like, you know what? <laughs> let's, <laughs> let's settle this let's on the play. field. Yeah. Yeah, let's play some, let's play some American football. Do you think they have like in in the like Warhammer high schools? They've got like, people, like obviously like the jocks who are College really good League. at Blood Bowl. Yeah, yeah. Well, oh, Warhammer yeah. high school is an anime I want to watch. They got they got like they get like scholarships and stuff like mm. that. The Skaven are the kids who eat like who you can dare them to eat dirt and they'll just do it. Oh yeah. Like, eat this worm, okay. <laughs> not even, not even like what are you gonna give me? That's like okay. Yeah, that's just lunch. A remake yeah. of Recess, but all the different characters oh are different Warhammer uh, factions. There is an idea. Yeah. TM, Why TM. won't Nurgle just wipe his nose? TM. <laughs> T- TM. Uh, what else is in the news, Matt? Speaking of fantasy football miniatures games, uh, but but now we mean football as in soccer. Um, oh on on slightly Matt. less. Uh, sorry. Please. I'm just I'm just riffing here. I'm doing what I can. Never um, give up, Matt. Uh, so Guild Ball, which is f- football as in soccer rather than football as in American football. Um, so it was kind of a spiritual successor or inspired by Blood Bowl. Um, 
it is coming to an end. So whereas Bob Ball is coming back, Guild Ball is ending in September, uh, on September the 1st specifically. So Guild Ball was the first game from Steamforged, um, which some folks might know from making a lot of video game board games like Dark Souls and Resident Evil 2 and Horizon Zero Dawn and more. And, 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 can you, and. Matt, can you say the two name of the games again? Dark Souls and no, no, Resident Evil? No, no, Blood Bowl Evil? and Guild Ball. Blood Bowl and Guild Ball. Okay. It's important to note. It's Blood Bowl and Guild Ball. Oh, sorry. Yeah. It's yeah. my enunciation. <laughs> oh, I yeah, it's yeah. Like, well, it's like the Super Bowl. <laughs> I only Guild say that because ball. of your accent. They just sound Guild. the same to me. <laughs> I don't know why I'm going into Australian New Zealand. Oh, Blood Bowl and Guild Ball. Guild Ball. Oh, right. no Austra- there's again. no Australian football miniatures game, as far as I know. Um, That's a shame. Money on the table, literally. Yeah, TM. Uh, in the market. TM. TM, everyone. Yeah, TM. Games, Games Workshop owns this podcast now because we've uttered the word Warhammer. Uh, sorry, everyone. <laughs> um, anyway, Guild Well, Ball... I guess we're being sent off into the intergalactic trenches, everyone. I hope you're Anyway, hope do you remember when I mentioned that Guild Ball was ending? Yeah. Uh, so Guild Ball, uh, like I say, or as I was saying, anyway, um, <laughs> was the first game from Steamforged uh, launched back in 2015 uh, kind of time. Uh, it's had five seasons. I think they're currently on their fifth, and they basically said when this season ends, that's it. Um they, they've said that part of that is down to the impact of the pandemic, um, particularly on the organised play and tournament scene. Uh, they've also just kind of said the gameplay, in some ways, they can't take it any further, which I think is is kind of fair enough. They've said, you know, I think the tournament scene influenced it in a way they weren't planning for in that it became very much... It became really hard for newcomers to get into the game. And mm. so they, they kind of described the community as a whole as, as dwindling. I guess as folks moved on, but new folks couldn't come in and pick it up too easily. Um, which is a shame, because I really liked Guild Ball's aesthetic. It kind of went for a steampunk. All the factions, compared to orcs or skaven or goblins, were kind of like butchers and fishers and blacksmiths. Brewers. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and you had literal mascots who, were, who played an important part of the game in that you could take them out to score additional points for your team. Um, and you would get points for taking out other members of the team as well, other play- uh, mm. rival players. Oh, gosh. So. I love the idea of you sending out your mascot into the crowd and being like, come on, like, hype them up. And then that mascot just getting, like, inevitably tripped up by someone and just, like, falling down the stand stairs or, like, getting beer thrown at them. Yeah. Well, I think in, in Guild Ball, they are, it's, it's not as violent as Blood Bowl, but it definitely has that edge of this is a war game made into football. Oh um, yeah, so like, you know they're probably going at each other. The model I've got um, a team. It's a drop of old Jakes, which are part of the Brewers Guild, and one of the characters just straight up has half a broken bottle in his hand. So there's still an <laughs> there's still an edge to it, but Ooh. yeah, it's it's not quite quite so menacing. Yeah, I'm, it's... yeah, I'm quite sad about this one. Mm. Like it, it totally makes sense, but uh, funnily enough, I was I'm sort of thinking about getting into Guild Ball because again, we sort of. I've got this team that I've been meaning to paint up and my friend's got a set and we were going to give it a go, but I mean, mm. yeah. Uh, so on, maybe on that now. note, they've said that they'll, they're basically, they'll sell what's left. Um, but from then on, it will be out of print. Um, they, they also announced that four, four, uh, minor guilds. So the kind of teams, uh, have essentially been canceled as a result of this. So they were in development, but not finished or anywhere close to release. Uh, so they've just said they're, they're gone. 
Um, they'll wrap up the storyline, but from then on, they, they're going to park it. So they've, they have said it might come back at some point in the future. They said, you know, we have, there's enough room in the story and there's enough, you know, there's enough ideas for teams to eventually come back to Guild Ball, but for the time being, it's for the foreseeable future, it's, it's finished. So, yeah, that's, that's Guild Ball. So from September the 1st, uh, is when they've officially said that they'll they'll be stopping it. So if you if you want to go and pick up Guild Ball, uh, now is the time probably. Uh, huh. So moving on to uh, swinging back to something making a return uh, is Ashes: Rise of the Phoenix Born, uh, a card game. Has anyone played Ashes? Anyone heard of Ashes? Mm -mm. Heard of it. So. Not played it. Uh, so it is a it's an expandable card game so it is released in kind of fixed expansions there aren't randomized boosters or anything like that um and it was com it was kind of a combination of a card game a la magic the gathering with a kind of competitive dice game so dice were your resources you spend them to attack each other that's kind of it um i think it came out in 2016 2015 is what i've written in the story so let's go with that um it's really good. It looks amazing. It's designed by Isaac Vega, who co-created Dead of Winter. Um, it's a really good game. Um, I have played it, it, I think. I recognize it. I think I've played it like way back when it first came out, but I mm. remember nothing about it. <laughs> You're probably similar to many people, because I think it just didn't get the traction. I think it was generally people who played it really liked it, but people just didn't stick with it, so it kind of dwindled mm. off. Um, and they brought it to an end last spring and kind of said that's it you know it's finished um but plaid hat uh who who are the publishers they've now since going independent at the start of this year they've now said they're bringing ashes back and they are bringing it back as a subscription kind of model um so they've teamed up with team covenant uh, who are kind of like a retailer subscription box like service in some ways for tabletop games um particularly collectible card games and living card games things like that um, so they're basically offering a subscription package where it's, I think it's $30, I will check this to get it right. So it's $30 per new release is their phrasing, but they've said that a new release will be two decks every three months. So it's about $10 a month, you'll get two decks every three months, and they will be new cards, new characters, that kind of thing. And it's launching with a slightly updated version of the core set. Um, so I, yeah, it's interesting that they presumably they think this is going to work they've said they're not actually going to produce it until they get i think a thousand subscribers um yes a thousand subscribers which isn't loads but for a a card game that requires you to stick with it in the long term it's like mm. a decent number to to get going mm. um so it'll be interesting to see whether this works out for them mm. um they have said so the packs that will come through the subscription will eventually be released widely or more widely um, so you don't have to subscribe, but if you want to get them as they come out and not have to wait an, a currently undetermined amount of time, um, you'll have to subscribe. But I guess when it comes to like car games like this, the whole purpose of them is to have a community actually playing it. Yeah. So like I don't, I can see why the subscription idea is a good idea, especially with having like we need this many, you know, this many people to sign up for it just because not only obviously you need it finance but also the whole appeal of it is like knowing there are other people actually playing it mm. yeah alright I, yeah, I, I, I was going to say I think the subscription model is quite quite a nice idea to be honest like um, the, like it doesn't seem extortionate I reckon mm. you know like when there were 
regular releases coming out for Doomtown Reloaded, like that, I I was paying that much, sort of on on about that time scale, and I was happy to do it. Uh, and if you know if they were coming along as part of a delivery mechanism where they just plop onto my doormat, that's that's great. Like mm. I think it's mm. a very smart move, um, and I think it's in a way it's it's probably quite good in terms of getting people to get other people involved. You know, it's just like here's a sign up link. You know, do you want to play? Just here you go, bong, get get a subscription like I've got. It's yeah. a it's schmat. So I don't know if we know this information, but does everyone receive the same? packs every month yeah so it will be new releases so like i said they've said two two new decks every three months um so the the suggestion there is that everyone will get the same two packs i think doing two packs at a time is also pretty smart um because that means that you could probably subscribe as two people like split the cost between you and then you've got a character deck each every three months so it's 15 dollars a person so five dollars a month it works out which i think is if you get into it, it's pretty reasonable. That's, yeah. you know, the same as a magic booster. And it's, mm. you know. And Ashes is is a really good game. I think it's kind of a shame it died out. Like, I, all I played of it, I really enjoyed. But then it's that thing of I didn't stick with it because I wasn't looking to get into a card game that I needed to buy regular expansions for, which is always the kind of living card game, expandable card game thing. Mm. But I think if there, if there was an easy subscription and I could be like, oh, every three months I'll go back to this with a friend and we'll get you know $15 each worth of playtime out of it and then wait another few months for the next thing to arrive it's probably quite a nice like you say just a nice way of being encouraged to go back to it every now and then so Mm, I'll play it for you Matt well unfortunately this uh, I should clarify this subscription has so far only been announced for the US and Canada Um, but I would hope that if it's successful enough they have said that the packs will be released internationally um, but the subscription itself is only US and Canada for the moment. But you would hope they will eventually expand that if it does well enough. Uh, but it's we fine. shall we'll, see. We'll sneak over to America. Yeah. <laughs> on a mission to try and acquire uh, Ash's cards. It's a very that's a very very expensive subscription model when you factor in <laughs> flights. <laughs> Let's. I think. It's maybe, maybe hmm. it's only seven hundred pounds in flights every three months. Yeah, come on, St- stealth mission. <laughs> Gosh, uh, shall we move on? I can't link this to a stealth mission segue, uh, but me and uh, you wrote this story about a new deck building game based on Dune. Well, sometimes I can be pretty stealthy, like particularly when <laughs> I need to sneak something out of the cupboard that I don't want the other person in the house to know about. I'm you know, tell like, you. yeah. <laughs> You know, like when you were a kid and you were like, "Oh, I know there's biscuits in the cupboard, but your mum said you weren't allowed any." Wait, how? Are we I really like Dune. I think Dune's great. I I read <laughs> I read Dune a lot, and uh, I don't know uh, biscuits. Sometimes cinnamon, cinnamon spice. The spice must flow. Nice, yeah. Dune. Yeah, D- Dune Imperium is a new deck building game coming from the makers of Clank, uh, which I really like. I've spoken about it in the past, uh, and uh, Direwolf uh, worked with Renegade, Renegade <laughs> Game Studios to make Clank, but they're working on their own for Dune Imperium. Uh, a trailer, a teaser trailer, was released, um, and we don't know a huge amu- amount about the game other than it's a deck builder. It's set in the Dune universe. It's based on the upcoming film, 
that's apparently still coming out this year. Um, they haven't said anything new about it. Uh, starring Timothy Sh Chalamet. Chalamet. Is that his name? Timothy Chalamet. That's the one. Yeah. That's the one. Yeah. Uh, uh, yeah. That's about it. I like Clank. I'm interested in deck building games. Johnny likes Doom. Very much so. Mm. And I'm uh, not yeah. shy, Halud, about it. Nice. Thank uh, you. I've not read Dune, but I like the board game very much, and that David Lynch film had some interesting ideas. And was <laughs> oh, yeah. Especially uh, seeing Sting in a loincloth. Yeah. Slash posing pouch. I like that, but unfortunately the deck building game will, uh, will not be based on that film, as far as I know. No. So... Uh, also, I got to find out about human sandworm hybrids. So uh, I'm winning. There you go. <laughs> All right. Uh, this one you also wrote me in a clever hock dry. Yeah. Uh, yeah, we're probably butchering the pronunciation of that. Yeah, yeah I can see Lolis <laughs> quietly Lose. nodding. Go on, the can you give it to us, Lolis? Clever hock dry. There, there we you go. go. Whenever I need it said, I'll just ask Lonely. Yeah. I'll ping her in. Uh, we should just make an yeah. audio button so you can just press like a the soundboard. button. And it'll just be yeah. Yeah. Oh, I'd love a soundboard. Do not give me a soundboard. I will have so much power. And I will abuse it. Um, yeah, this is the third game in the uh, Gan Shong Clever series. Lolis? That was better. Gan Shong Clever. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Uh of Roland Wrights, um made by help me out here, Matt Jarvis. Wolfgang Vash. There you go. Uh who also made uh, Quacks of Quedlinburg. Loli's favourite game ever. No, it's um, only number three on my list. Thank you very much. Oh wow, sorry. <laughs> I assume Star Realms is there somewhere. Star Realms is number one, yes. Okay. Correct. Now we'll just have to guess the second one. Oh yeah, no, okay, let's get started. Like, we can't leave this hanging. Uh, oh. <laughs> Tobago isn't number two? No, it's up there, but it's not in my top three. Oh no, this this has thrown the net completely open. Oh gosh. Um, I do talk about it a lot. Well... It does talk about it a lot, okay. Well, no, probably not as much as I talk probably about it. Probably not. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> this podcast suddenly became four hours long. I'm looking at it right yeah. now! <laughs> You're looking at it right now, so she owns it. Secret Hitler? Yes. Oh, oh yeah, no, you have talked Very about good. it in the past. Okay, there you go. Um, anyway, <laughs> but back to the, the game in question. Um, yeah, uh, the That's Pretty Clever series, as it's known in English, uh, which uh, Matt Jarvis is very disdainful of. I just don't think it's a great title. I think Gangster no. Clever works fine. Yeah. Uh, is it's pretty fun like there there's nothing amazingly unique about the series you just roll dice and then you you know use the numbers on the dice to fill in your sheet like you would with many roll and write uh and if uh so the active player rolls a set of dice any dice that are under the one that they have chosen to fill their sheet in the other players get to use those on their sheets so it's all about choosing carefully which which dice or die you want to use uh, during your turn uh, and uh, yeah this is the third one in the series um, it does not have a release date yet it's still pretty like 
you know, rumour sort of... Uh, I think it's later this year, uh, but it's not been officially announced. It, it was just uh, listed on Board Game Geek. Uh, but yeah, there's that's about it, really. <laughs> For anyone who's wondering what that translation of Clever Hoch 3 is, it's uh, Clever Times 3. So yeah, they're really sticking with names. that. <laughs> yeah, because the middle yeah. one was doppelt so clever, which is yeah. dub- doubly clever, or um, twice, twice as clever. clever yeah. yeah, it was. Um, <laughs> yeah, they just... I like. Johnny's face. I played. The... <laughs> I played the first one. Uh, it was fun. Uh, I've not played the second one, but I, I, Matt Jarvis is a fan of Roll and Write, yeah. so you not. I believe Lolis is. Too. I love like I yes. Do you prefer Doppelt to Gangs? I don't think I've played. I think I might have played Ganshun at one point, uh, but I haven't played much of any of them, so oh. I'm not sure. Mm. I I would knowing your love for Quinto or or Roland Rice in general, I would. I think it's it would be up your street. It's yeah, Doppelt yeah. is like another step up in difficulty. Like Gangs. I got big into on the mobile app and just found myself every night trying to get a higher score. And then I was competing oh, against my app. wife and we would just be sat playing games <laughs> to try and beat each other's high scores. Because um, it's just all about combos, basically. Mm. It's like, oh, I can fill in this square and that lets me fill in that square and that gives me another die and that lets me fill in that square. And you're just... Oh, yeah, I'm pretty sure I've played it. Wait, what's the difference with the double doubled as... Well, is it's very similar. Gosh, I'm trying to remember now. They add a die. I think they add a silver die that you can then oh. use at other points. But it's it's kind of the same game. It's just that the coloured sections of the score sheet do different, slightly different things and require different things. Is that you the one where some of them some go points. up and then another row goes down? In yes. Like yeah, that's Doppel, I think. Yeah. Mm. Oh, okay, so I have I think. I think the big new thing for this third game is there'll be new categories to score in including being able to use several dice at the same time huh. which is interesting yeah mm. so there you go i will play it i really like those games they are good mm-hmm. there's an endorsement same. from matt jarvis yeah. if you haven't <laughs> played play gans it. uh i would pick up a copy or pick it up on your phone because it's a really good one player game yeah ron wright does by myself ron wright does some very good games like um he's definitely one of the top Game designers. <laughs> the sizzling Roland Wright joke. We actually had an email from someone who signed off as Roland Wright. Uh, which is very amazing. Uh, I was very confused for a minute. I was like, did Lonely say the wrong thing? And then I realised, oh, it's a joke. Wow. Brutal. <laughs> yeah, All right, let's move on to Infinity, which I mentioned earlier. Um, so I've kind of already said this, but the the short of it is that Infinity, the sci-fi miniatures game, which is maybe better than Warhammer 40k, um, <gasps> is getting a fourth edition. Oh, called you are going to get some enemies. I know. I, 40k. I, eh. Heresy, etc. Uh-huh. It's heresy. I mean, I, I really like 40k, but uh, yeah. But Infinity's good. Yeah, Infinity has like a really good look to it. It's it's away from the kind of grim dark sci-fi stuff of 40k. It's very kind of clean. It's kind of influenced by manga and anime, um, so it has that kind of look to it. There are mechs, um, and it, like I say, said earlier, it has some really interesting lore things. Um, I don't know loads about it. Wills is the is the Office Infinity uh, fan who has now sucked me into this world um, at a, a high cost. I'm willing to pay, um, <laughs> but. 
uh, N4, which is the fourth edition, which is out. Let me find this. It's coming l September 30th is when it's coming out. Um, it's, as it sounds like, it's a kind of update to the main core rules. Um, I think the last update was, the last big update was 2014, and they kind of have put out smaller improvements and updates since then. Um, but it's basically, you know, general kind of improvements to troop abilities, upgrades, um, just tidying things up. They are introducing some new sectorials, which are kind of the, the sub-factions of the main factions in the game. Um, so there's Cosmoflot and White Company and Starmada. Um, so Starmada is the first sectorial army for O12, uh, which got introduced last year. Uh, I will say, as if I know loads about this, uh, I know what I've read on a wiki. Um, but it seems to it seems to be going down well. People seem interested in it. Um, they've been doing some interesting stuff in the Infinity Verse. Johnny is still snickering to himself. Star Mud is just very Star funny. It, it's yeah. It sounds like an ice cream sundae on a kids menu. <laughs> He's getting the Star Marder. It, it does sprinkles sound, and sparklers. Yeah, it sounds like a faction out of like Spaceballs or something. It's yeah. Uh, yeah, it's it's another one, but it, they look cool. Um, the the models for Star Marder. Um, so I mean, all the models look cool in this game. Uh, they have also said that, well, so this is kind of like following on from Code 1, which I believe we have a video of on the channel. We um, do. Um, it's embedded in your news story. It's Dean yeah. and uh, Wheels doing um, a socially distanced playthrough yeah. of, of Code 1. Indeed. So they, in that, they they boiled down the rules a bit and made it much more beginner-friendly. Um, so it'll be interesting to know whether N4 kind of takes that line a bit more um, I don't think Infinity is super complex as a game. Um, no, it's pretty, pretty it, good to pick it's, up. It's still a miniatures game, so there's still a bit of kind of grokking to get through. Um, but I think they've just generally kind of said it will revise the rules, it will have new lore elements. Uh, they're putting out like a slipcase set, which has two books in it. Um, but I don't think they've really detailed what the two books are, whether one is like lore and one is rules. Because they put out graphic novels. They're very, very big into the universe of Infinity. There's a... Mm tabletop role-playing game there is wow. yeah um so they've they've really kind of blown it out and like i said there's some really cool aspects of that that universe uh, to mm. the point where i'm just looking at it going like maybe i should get into this it does seem well, good i know what faction i want to play as in the tabletop role-playing game star Marder. i don't right? know if star are in the tabletop role-playing game well they should they're a be a brand new faction they should be Matt Jarvis. But they they also put out a uh, like a sp speaking of sports miniatures games, which have popped up a lot on this podcast. They put out one called oh, I can never pronounce it. It's like Aristia, um, which was like oh, yeah. dreadball Not style. Not Starskipball. No. Starskipball is great. Oh my goodness, slowly. <laughs> oh, that got me good. Yeah. That's... They should have called it that. That's my favorite. That's literally my favorite thing is combined as well. I like basketball. I like I like space. So. <laughs> wow. that you just bounce the ball once and watch it float. Lodies, have you ever heard oh, the buzzer of... beaters take years to resolve? you of a film called Space Jam? Like. Yeah, and I love it. It's my fave. Just, just considering those two things that you really love. 
Space Jam. I love Space Jam. It's also got cartoon characters. It's the best. Yeah, I can see a lot of your kind of like Venn diagrams overlapping here in Space Jam. Uh, but yeah, that's the long and short of it. There's a new Infinity coming. It's not Space Jam, but it does have Star Marder, and that's quite a good name. Uh, the final news story for this week, uh, before we move on to emails, Alex Mean, you wrote this story about He Man and the Masters of the Universe. I did! Uh, uh, he Man. You always sound surprised by your own news. Like, ugh. Yeah. Oh well, god, a I've headline. said this before. My brain, my brain is like a file cabinet that I have to occasionally like take out some of the contents of and burn it, so that I don't <laughs> to stop like, the government lose. <laughs> so I don't lose myself in all the information that I have to carry in it. I um, prefer the government line. <laughs> Well, yeah. I wonder what your activation phrase is. <laughs> yes, when I was a baby, there was information planted in my brain that must <laughs> never ever be released. Um, no, the He-Man uh, role-playing game called Masters. No, Legends of Legends of Grayskull. Masters of the Universe tabletop role-playing game. Uh, which is a bit of a SEO. mouthful. Yeah. <laughs> Is that is that also like be... their ha- their handle on Twitter? That whole... <laughs> at if you could just at us at Legend of Grace Gold Masters of the Universe Tabletop, and then you've got ten characters at the end to actually put your message in. I want to be factually correct for the listeners and the watchers. Um, yeah, it is uh, the first official He-Man role-playing game. Um, Matt Jarvis is raising his eyebrows. No, I'm not raising uh, any eyebrows. I have no idea. <laughs> um, I imagine there's been fan versions uh, where you know pe- people can make characters based on various uh, uh, He-Man and She-Ra related media. Uh, so I believe it's probably going to focus more on the classic 1980s kind of uh, stuff. Rather than like the more recent She-Ra um, animated series, which I've heard is very good, um, and I keep getting bullied by my flatmate to watch. Mm. Um, I've yeah, also heard this. Yes, uh, <laughs> and uh, it's sort of part of this big reboot that they're having of He-Man. So there's going to be a board game um, called Masters of the Universe. Uh, and there's going to be a new Netflix series and a film, uh, but you can kind of make characters based on some of the, the you know, people in in the series. But also, you can apparently just make loads of other characters that haven't been kind of included yet. Uh, and you can increase your abilities, which increases your die what kind of die you roll and um, you can get like legendary weapons uh, such as the sword of power and the sword of protection uh, yeah and I believe the the power that you get to improve your abilities is called he force <laughs> which made me chuckle a little bit um, but yeah that's that's all we know and I believe the release date which I don't know off the top of my head, <laughs> is um, next year, sometime next year. 
So uh, mm. if you like He-Man, She-Ra, Man-at-Arms, uh, Beast-Man, the Sorceress, etc., then you'll probably like this. Cool. Uh, a and quick... Skeletor, of course. A Skeletor. Uh, best, you know the the character from those well loved car adverts, whatever Skeletor. Hawks yeah, are. yeah, yeah. They did like I remember oh, yeah. that ad, and they did like a money supermarket. Yes. Every, Don't give them free advertising. Every childhood character is now an advert somewhere, playing off of mm-hmm. nostalgia. Uh, a quick Google, by the way, says that there was a Masters of the Universe role playing game released in 1985. It was rushed out to the printers half finished to release it to market before the show was cancelled. Most of the yeah. rules were unclear or absent. Uh, but we were supposed to be sent in an expanded edition later on. So it doesn't sound like it was particularly great. Okay. So this so might be the this... first good. Yeah. yeah. Maybe pick that one up rather than chasing down a 1985 original. Yeah. <laughs> Just as a, a hot, hot tip. Uh, all right. Uh, I think that is it for uh, news this week. So let's move on to emails. Uh, Email. Alex Lowley's. would you like to read this one from Bram, please? I'd love to. Uh, Bram says, Dear Dicebreaker team, the weather outside is really great, so I'm at the beach or at a lake quite often. When I go there with my girlfriend, we often end up playing Quirkle Cards, since we're not really sure what other games are suitable for outdoor play. Do you have any tips, apart from Softs in the Loft, of course, or games that are perfect for a day at the beach? Good luck and keep up the good work, Bram Elevelt. Happy Salmon. Yes, oh, yeah. salmonated. But yes. two players, that's not great, though. Two players, no, but like, what you telling me that you you can't take a copy of Happy Salmon to the beach and and rustle up some more players? The whole beach should be yeah. clamoring to play. Yeah, yeah but it's social distancing, isn't it? Oh, yeah, yeah play, <laughs> play at distance. You could probably you could gesture at each other. I'm I'm sure you can make it work. Yeah, do your own. Do your but own you're own all happy touching salmon. the cards and stuff. Isn't that bad? Also, mm. you're only, only touching your own cards. Wash them in the sea. Yeah, but somebody owns the game, right? Wash them in the sea! (laughs) You can use hand sanitizer before and after the game. Obviously, yeah, stay safe, but uh, in any other year than 2020, Happy Salmon would be... Happy Salmon. Yes. Um, Looking around. What else is good for the beach? I think there is a waterproof version of Double. Double is... A, like a perfectly all right game like if you're playing with younger <laughs> players particularly i mean it's it's spot the difference there are a few versions in there it's not gonna Lowly's. blow anyone away but it's waterproof at least mm. lowly is making faces uh, by the way for the listeners i don't like double I, another one <laughs> is hive which is two player hive because it has yeah. the really nice acrylic pieces it's just something you can plonk down into some sand somewhere it's an amazing game <gasps> i've played a lot of hive sand. yeah my god, and it comes in like a little zip bag, kind yes. of like um, a bunch of actual beach toys do. That's a great one. Um, take some marbles and build a marble run out of a sandcastle and then race your marbles. It's technically a tabletop game. <laughs> oh, something mm. um, to do at the beach. You could always play like Junkar, but like Extreme Edition. Extreme, yeah, in the sand. With, like, well, yeah. And Jetson. And, like. <laughs> Well, because like a lot of the challenges are trying to balance stuff on top of one another, and like you could use the sand as like, oh, this is even more tricky. So Quinto, go. any yes. roll and write, pretty much. Well, not any roll yeah, and write, but a lot of roll and writes will work. Yeah, you Just could stuff with mostly plastic things like Azul, maybe. 
But then imagine getting sand boards, in the bag. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah, and the yeah, boards. Board. Roll them right so you could laminate as well because yeah. you could then just take one sheet. And, uh, another one that I really like is Shobu, which is another kind of abstract strategy game. And that is so simple that you could probably play it without buying the game. But you should buy the game and support the people Obviously, that make it. Yes. But once yeah. you have the game, you could probably just draw the lines in sand. And Because the, the game itself is like four wooden boards mm. that are just grids, a bit of rope and some stones, uh, which are things you could presumably find on a beach if you tried hard enough. Um, wow it's a really really amazing game as well i think it's like it's vastly overlooked i think it's right up there with hive in terms of just how interesting and kind of strategic and simple mm. but simple but deep easy to learn hard to master that old nonsense but it's a really really great game i mean if you had more players skull would be a great one like they're fairly mm, yeah. sturdy the 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 what would you call them the coaster yeah, yeah well you can just use beer mats as well yeah, yeah. Playing cards, yeah. Um, uh, and again playing cards. Uh, supporting the creators is good yeah uh, no yeah I completely agree and it's also a, it's a simple but deep game yes mm, uh, my math teacher once described me as simple but deep <laughs> <laughs> wow <laughs> no it's not true um, and like one of my favourite two player games is Fox in the Forest I love Fox in the Forest so much it's it's a trick taking game that you know it's just like whisk basically but it's really good mm. and me and my flatmate play it a lot i think in fairness like a set of like laminated or waterproof playing yeah. cards will see you right in most cases like you should buy buy other games that are out there if they have specific rule sets but set of playing cards that's you sorted mm. for the day sorted sorted uh <laughs> all right uh, shall we move on to this one from Iron? Uh, Johnny, would you like to read this one, please? Absolutely. Hi, Dicebreaker. As someone who is socially awkward and anxious, I generally lean towards solo board games. Arkham Horror TCG and One Deck Dungeon were the first games I ever bought. Brackets, your solo games recommendation video was such validation. Uh, and they are my favourite games ever. I also enjoy Scythe's solo mode with the Automa, Automa, Automa opponent. So my question for the podcast, should it ever get picked up amongst the tangents? That's a, a brutal but fair read. Ah, <laughs> oh, um, what are your thoughts on solo board games? Brackets, not solo TTRPGs. Keep that nonsense to yourself. You've, you've been warned. What's your favourite solo board game? When would you choose to play one over playing a video game? Thanks for all you do. I unpanned it. Um, I really, really like Set a Watch in solo. Because it plays exactly the same as... Um, as it does with with more players. I mean, you know, any co-op game you can play as a as a solo game. Really, you just you know, if you're willing to get creative with hands and that sort of thing. But yeah, Set a Watch is just really meditative, but it still makes you think. Like I remember when I reviewed Parks, I played the solo game, and that was lovely. And I was like, mm, having a nice bimble along. But it felt like playing solitaire. It was a bit like I would do this to kill time, but I wouldn't necessarily be like I really fancy a solo game of of Parks. Set a watch, on the other hand, like delicious, num num num, really really like it. Uh, in fact, uh, I, if there's one thing I really regret about my last day in the office before we all went home due to to uh, coronavirus, it was uh, not to to lift the copy of Set a Watch. <laughs> I miss it. Mm. The minute the minute we get back in the office, I'm having it. <laughs> yeah. You're all warned. <laughs> oh wow. Yeah, that's right. So Set a Watch is my favourite, and I li I like solo board games. They are nice. Mm. I will throw in the pile. I, Seventh Continent is a really great 
exploration game where you're just trying to survive on an island. It's it's basically like a um, like a point and click adventure if you want to compare it to like video games. Um, but it has loads and loads and loads of cards, and you're basically trying to lift a curse off your character um, by exploring different squares of the island. But there are some really interesting puzzles in there. Uh, I think it's a really great game. This War of Mine is a direct video game adaptation, but I think it works really well as a board game. Um, if you haven't played the video game, like the board game is fantastic. It works and better brutal. with one person than with more because you just end up passing a book around. It is, yeah, thoroughly brutal. Like genuinely, very kind of like emotionally, kind of um, yeah, resonant. Um, but I think in terms of and like like I was saying, like Roland writes as kind of quick little snappy things. Like Gans is incredible. Uh, there are a few other Roland writers that now my mind is going blank on. Railroad Inc. Yeah, Railroad Inc. is amazing. I love Railroad Inc. And that is a game I've played a lot by myself on a train uh, coming back from Essen, in fact, uh, where Choo-choo. I picked it up. I just played it all the way back um, to mm. England. It's uh, the most Matt Jarvis thing I've ever heard. Yeah. Playing yeah, a train game on a train. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, you know, I have a brand is... to protect. <laughs> now, all we need, now all we need is Dragon Ball Z uh, to be involved. There was no Dragon Ball Z in at the time, uh, but mm. I don't know. But you were probably like thinking about it, right? Just a little bit. Oh yeah, I was trying to score over nine thousand. There, there it is. Um, I think in terms of playing instead of a video game, it's just like it's the experience you're after. Like I, you know, sometimes you feel like sitting down at a table and kind of puzzling over something physical, moving cards with your hands, rather than kind of sitting in front of a screen and stuff mm. like that. It's just, and some of those experiences are only board games. Um, you kind of get some aspects of board games that you don't get in video games because, you know, it's just a different kind of experience. So I think Ooh, like Sherlock Holmes Consulting Detective. Yes. That's a good one. Yes. That is a fantastic Yeah, I game. think I'll jump on the, uh, the old roll and write train, as it were. Um, huh? that's, I think that's... <laughs> Tell me more that's... about this train. <laughs> that's usually my go-to when I'm like when I've got no one to play with um, I'll usually just pick up one of my rolling rights and, and have a go with those I do have other games that play solo and I've never ever tried them in a solo mode I I don't know I, I've, I guess I can't be arsed, um learning the rules for the solo mode or I don't know what, what, why but I just I guess rolling rights for me are just like something easy I can pick up and like play alone for you know might take me like 15 minutes and then if i want to keep playing i can play another game um i think for me board games is more of a like social thing i guess um um and then when it comes to video games uh i obviously like famously i don't play that many video games but um even video games i find for me are, are often like more of a social thing like i do prefer playing video games with people or at least like like chatting to people whilst I play type thing I don't know it's, uh, it's um I think the only video game I suppose I play by myself is like Sims or something so um and then I don't really play that by myself because I just fall into a hole and I can spend hours in there and I just don't have the time in my life to be spending my time living a fake life <laughs> as much as I love it <laughs> so yeah I, I I tend to like I tend to pick up board games before I pick up video games when it comes to anything solo. Mm. Um, I don't actually play a lot of solo board game because um, my initially my initiation into playing board games is very much through other people's collections. So like I would play board games with other people and then 
when I started forming my own collection, it was pretty much just based around what did other people not have. So then I could fill in the gaps so that when we came together to play board game, I'd be able to be like, oh, we, we can play this now. Um, I think I have played a board game called Forests of Fate, uh, which has a solo mode, uh, which is just a very simple choose your own adventure card game. I really like choose your own adventure board game. They're like nothing special and like that they can be kind of rubbish sometimes, but I just think there's something about them that I find kind of quaint and uh, I just like telling a story uh, and I think Forest of Fate does it quite well. It's got a little companion app that you enter in like, oh what choice do you want to make? And you enter in the number and it tells you, oh this is what happened. And it's very straightforward but I kind of think it's cute. Uh, and as for like solo board games versus video games, I'm probably a, more of a video game person. Like, I don't play, I don't actually play a lot of multiplayer video games. I tend to stick to solo for the most part. There's only like one or two kind of multiplayer board game, board game, video games that I will play on the on the regular. Um, I guess like Slay the Spire is like on the border between like video game and board game. Um, I believe you've played it, Matt Jarvis? I have not. I've been meaning to play it for not. a while because okay. I hear amazing things and I like deck builders. But It's a really good game. It's like a deck building video game that is solo and you have to make your way through this tower uh, by going up against AI enemies with your deck and their deck and it's very much just a deck building game with like the flourishes of a video game meaning cool graphics and like atmosphere and and stuff like that so I guess that's the closest thing yeah cool uh, I will give a quick shout out here for Dan Jolin who is a big proponent of solo board games has written a very lovely list for dicebreaker.com on some of the best solo games you can play uh, and he really knows his stuff. He's picked out some of the bigger stuff, so like Mage Knight and uh, Spirit Island, I think, has a solo mode. As well as... Well, that yeah. was Ma- Mage Knight, by the way. Block out your Island. calendar for Mage Knight. Um, <laughs> but also some of the smaller kind of indie stuff out there. So uh, Black Sonata, I think, is one. Um, and there's one about like Shakespearean-themed that now I can't think of. Um, but it's a really great lesson. You should check it out. But let's move on to this question from Ronnie... Uh, Alex Mean, would you like to read it from Ronnie? Uh, yes, I would. Um, Ronnie says, uh, Hello, lovely people of Dicebreaker. Hope you are well. I have a question for those of you who GM games. As the most experienced out of all my friends, I end up GMing all the games we play. Most of the time I really enjoy it, but I found it starting to feel more like a chore rather than a hobby. So the question is, how do you prevent this from happening? Or how do you get out the slump once you're in it? I don't want to tell my friends that I'm not enjoying it because I don't want to stop enjoying the game. But equally, I want it to be fun for me too. Thanks a lot. Stay awesome. Ronnie. you got to tell him, Ronnie. I mean, you can't. You don't have to tell them I'm not enjoying this, but tell them that you would really enjoy getting the chance to be a player for once. I think that's okay. Mm. Like, I've done it before. It's been like, hey, does anyone want to sort of run one? I'd, you know, I'd really love love a bit of a break because burnout is uh, you know a real thing in TTRPGs and you don't want to do it so um, like 
yeah, just just take a breather. You can even say like, can we just take a couple of weeks off while I recharge my batteries? You know, like uh, the important thing about TTRPGs is that everyone is having fun, and that includes you. So while it can feel like you're doing a lot of work, it shouldn't. So tell them, tell them. Yeah. Mm. yeah. I mean, I'm not a GM, but I I agree that you should definitely communicate with your players. Because um, at the end of the day, I think like they want as much as they're enjoying it. I'm sure they want you to enjoy it as well. Um, mm. And at the end of the day, like if, if you're burning out, um, it might end up showing in games and it might end up like even um, not making it as enjoyable for them if they're starting to like censor themselves. Um, so I think just communicate and you never know. There might be somebody in the group who's like, actually, you know what? I fancy I fancy taking over and doing some jamming myself. Hmm. Yeah, I yeah. agree. Can't add him. You can even more. You can even give them a helping hand by being like, oh, why don't you try this game? And here are some tips and things. So, yeah, if you help them along, it might, you know, encourage them to give it a go. Yeah. Look after yourself and have fun is the main mm-hmm. thing. Uh, I'll read this one from Lucas Ferguson, who says, we're virtually Expo coming up next weekend. So that's August 21st to 23rd. Um, do you think the virtual board gaming trend will continue in the year 1AC after COVID, or will physical <laughs> board games surge back again? How drastically will this enforced digitalization impact the future of tabletop production slash creation? Uh, so virtually Expo, for a little bit of context, is the kind of replacement digital event for UK Games Expo, um, which normally takes place here in the UK at like the end of May, beginning of June. Uh, mm. But it was delayed because of the pandemic, and then it was turned into a digital event because of the pandemic. Um, so it is it's as it sounds it's a digital event it's being held through a web browser I believe it's kind of just a collection of various things um, so like panels and like events uh, all run through an online portal rather than obviously in person uh, but it's a, a trend we're obviously seeing a lot uh, Origins was online um, Gen Con uh was online we were part of gen con if you missed that you can go and see the video team playing codenames with pro zd um but yeah gen con was online essen spiel is now spiel.digital <laughs> which is a name that sounds straight out of an like 80s sci-fi film um <laughs> but it's it's an interesting trend uh, and of course our for for context and for clarity our own um read pop which owns dicebreaker is running PAX Online and EGX Digital in September, which we will also be a part of, mm-hmm. um, as well as the Metaverse this weekend. So yeah, it's, it's obviously a trend across the event space as people can't get together in person. But I think it's, it's interesting around board games because they're such a physical medium. Mm-hmm. Um, the, yeah. It's been interesting so far. I think there have been some really good opportunities. I think the nice thing about digital events is that they are very accessible. So for people that can't afford or can't, for any reason, come to a physical show or perhaps don't like being in a room with lots of people or, you know, what, whatever reason you may have for not attending a physical event in person, I think digital events are really nice in that they do kind of throw open the doors to everyone. You don't have to attend at a certain time because you could always catch up afterwards. You can, mm. you know, you can just pick out the bits you want. You don't have to worry about the cost or the travel or being around people or whatever it may be. So I think mm. on those sides, it's been really nice to see that. Um, but I think there is definitely an element of just not playing board games in the same space as other people is very different because for mm. particularly for us in our jobs, 
a lot of how you discover things because the board game industry is not great often at getting the word out about interesting games so a lot of the ways you find I'm nodding, interesting I'm games nodding. are walking through a convention hall and going oh that seems really interesting or mm. seeing people shout that's how i discovered happy salmon was a load of people shouting at each other in e- 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 essen and was kind of drawn in by this big crowd of people was like slapping oh. their wrists against each other and shouting <laughs> And Happy Salmon is an incredible game, but probably wouldn't have come across otherwise. Yeah. Um, so I think there's a like discoverability at virtual conventions is a lot harder. Um, I think that's that's what we kind of yeah. try to do is bridge that gap in some ways. But I think for most people, it's really hard to discover games like that, particularly smaller games. Um, so that's where that stuff is a lot harder. I think there's definitely a space for. Uh, online conventions the way they're kind of doing them now um i don't think they'll replace what's going on like the the more like physical events uh because of like a lot of the kind of things that matt was saying like discoverability for smaller publishers like it's those events are really important to to like put themselves in, in front of people and as many people as they can i know for myself like as soon as COVID's over, I'm running down the street to my closest board game cafe and I'm just going to play board games with people in the same room because I miss it so much. It's yeah. For me, it's like, it's 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 there's a whole, like, just nice feeling to be around people and eat snacks and, and move pieces and, and, and just, like, and there's, like, games where I love to watch people and, like, try and read them as we play, which I think is some of that gets lost even if you can see each other on video it is it gets lost um so i think i don't think uh the digital events will take over but i do think there might this whole situation might create a space for them um maybe alongside more physical events because of a lot of the reasons that matt were saying because there there's lots of people who can't make physical events for whatever reason um and hopefully this will kind of open eyes uh for event organizers and and uh, publishers and whoever else it needs to open the eyes for um to maybe create either that space alongside the physical event or create like a separate space like that um to happen sometime in the year uh but yeah i, I really don't think it'll take i don't think it'll replace because physical especially in board games like the physical events are just yeah uh. <laughs> well i mean i think you know, I think obviously people are going to, you know, surge back to physical board games um, because, you know, I, I was I was playing around the same table with some friends last night and it was glorious. It was, you know, it's unbeatable. However, I do think that we're going to see in terms of consumer habits, I think people are going to be a lot more willing to try things over the Internet and do digital stuff. Like, you know, I think a lot mm-hmm. of people have discovered Tabletop Simulator and other digital portals. And they found it's actually a really good way of just getting hands-on with games they might have backed, for example. You can play Oath from later games uh, on TTS, um, whereas the, you know, the physical copies aren't going to ship until next year. So I think that's great. And I think people are, people are just going to be more used to and willing to ju- like jump online to try a game. Instead of, you know, everyone's done it with you've bought a game and you're so excited to play it and then it's languishing on a box months later, uh, on a shelf, sorry, months later because you've not had the opportunity... You could be like, well, I've got it, but it's also on tabletop sim. So why don't we just play it so everyone knows? Mm-hmm. And then when we actually see each other in person, we'll be one step ahead. Mm-hmm. You know, that sort of thing. Yeah. Yeah. I pretty much echo what everyone else has said. I think I can see a future where there are digital versions alongside events. So you'll have the actual event, which is the big draw. You know, like I unfortunately 
the only proper board game event I've ever been to is UK Games Expo, and that was uh, like last year. And obviously, getting this job, I was really looking forward to being able to experience some other board game events, and that didn't happen. But remembering what that experience was like, it is just really wonderful. I mean, that's where I found Detective Club, which was my favourite game of that year. Like, experiencing that with other people, seeing like everyone else sat around you, also experiencing a board game for the first time, knowing how bad publishers can be mm. with telling people about their board games. Uh, I think the digital events could give them more of a incentive to also put the, the word out there about their board game online as well and I think providing the online demos is a really fantastic idea I like the fact that Leader Games did it with Fort as well which is also mm. on Tabletop Simulator mm -hmm. uh, because you know even without the pandemic some of us struggle to like I know I can struggle to find people to play board games with sometimes because a lot of my friends who do do it don't live near me yeah. they live on another part of the country which means that if we want to play board games together, we have to arrange, you know, a specific date to do it, uh, particularly really big ones. So being, you know, doing that more online, like with Scythe, for example, uh, as much as I'm incredibly excited to play the physical version of Scythe, um, you know, it's been a real godsend at the moment. So I think they just need to live in harmony. I think they can benefit one another. Like, you can never truly replace that experience. But also you can provide an alternative. Yeah, for sure. I think with that, uh, we will bring this podcast to a close for this week. Uh, but before we say goodbye, let's look ahead to what's coming up on Dicebreaker.com and YouTube.com forward slash Dicebreaker. Uh, Johnny, would you like to start with the YouTube side? Nothing would give me greater pleasure, Matt Jarvis. We uh, see um, the... Well, we're starting our final episode run of uh, this season of Dungeon Breaker. Uh, it'll be up tomorrow um, with... Uh, yeah, it's, it's, things are getting hellish and lots mm. of people are very, very hurt. And that should be very interesting. Mm, at three um, o'clock. And I imagine some of us will be there in the chat. Yeah, three so. o'clock Saturday, the 15th of August. And then on Sunday, we've got a review of Sherlock Holmes Consulting Detective Baker Street Irregulars. Uh, which is coming from Wheels, um, and then next week more Dungeon Breaker. We're showing off some some more Blades in the Dark because, goodness me, we like it a lot, <laughs> and we'll be uh, doing some more painting and generally bringing you a good time on YouTube.com forward slash Dice Breaker. Mm. The channel you're mm -hmm. already time. watching slash listening to. Mm. Bum, 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 bum. <laughs> Uh, and it's worth saying that if folks want to catch some of the, the Blade stuff, it's part of the Metaverse this weekend, although only the it very is, yes. start. Uh, so the ReadPop Metaverse, uh, which, again, disclaimer, like ReadPop is the company that owns Dicebreaker. The Metaverse is kind of like an online event taking place that's bringing together like gaming and comics and films and stuff like that. Uh, and we are part of it on Sunday, but only the start of our Blades in the Dark run. Um, but if you'd like to check it out as soon as it's available, you can catch it on Sunday at... I'm just finding the time. I should have prepped this ahead of time. Sunday, the, <laughs> Sunday, August 16th at 4.45 British Standard Time or 11.45 a.m. Eastern Time. Um, so you'll be able to catch kind of the first opener then. And then after that, it will continue on our YouTube channel. 
Uh, it is worth it just for Matt's character alone. Oh, mate. Oh, oh. That, that, that I mean, there's no really, exaggeration yeah. to say you're not, no one's ready. You're not ready. <laughs> and no. this was before yeah. the heat started to boil my brain. Indeed. <laughs> uh, and Wills is GMing. So, yes, Wills uh, is GMing. He's a fantastic GM. You get GM. to see Johnny in the player chair. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, and as you mentioned earlier, Johnny, uh, Oxfenter are also part of Metaverse tomorrow or today by the time yes. everyone's listening to this today so. by the time this comes out ox venture in space yes it's it gets weird <laughs> when does it uh, not so yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs> indeed yeah so yeah don't know why i even bothered mentioning uh so you can check both of those things out as part of the metaverse uh and then on dicebreaker.com uh we currently have up oh gosh my brain so we have a, a list of the best worker placement games uh, from Sam Nelson, who did a fantastic job with that. Uh, we had an interview with the creators of Dice Throne, um, which seems like a very cool dice chucking game and is being made into like a dungeon crawler. Uh, they've done multiple seasons. Uh, we have some other bits of bobs coming up that, at the moment, I I can't even remember what's coming up. I yeah. can't open the schedule. I haven't prepped for this at all. But just just visit the site every day. Yeah, because there's new stuff on there every day. There's so. yeah, there's well, there's literally news, the newest of new. Uh, that's why they call it news. And um, also, if you follow us on Twitter, you'll get notifications about all these things, yeah. right? Yeah. yeah, exactly. Correct. Yeah, but we'll have features, interviews, the the usual stuff you'd expect from the website uh, coming up very shortly. Uh, we will have some news about what we are doing at PAX Online and EGX Digital. <gasps> Uh, in September, so that's about a month from now. That's from September 12th to 20th, which is a big old nine-day event uh, combining PAX and EGX together. And we will be popping up across the the shows, oh, yeah. multiple shows uh, combined Pop into it. one. Uh, Pop it! There'll be some. There's there's some fun stuff planned for that, <laughs> uh, which like we'll have some news on very soon. And if in the meantime uh, you can. Obviously, catch catch stuff on the YouTube, catch stuff on the website, and catch mm. some new merchandise. The newest <gasps> range of su- the summer range of Dicebreaker merchandise on dicebreaker.myshopify.com, uh, including a mug and a water bottle. Which remember to drink water at the moment. Stay hydrated. If you're in a hot place like the UK. <laughs> um, <laughs> yes. A new shirt, a new Ladies. hoodie, all sorts. Lowly is just miming how humans can drink. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Just, just want to remind you all. Uh, and as a little sneak preview, we may have some very special stuff coming up for EGX <gasps> and PAX uh, in the way of merchandise. So keep your eyes out for that. Such and we will have tease. news on it very soon. Um, but that is in the future, as will be the next episode of the Dicebreaker podcast, which will return next Friday. Until then, thank you, Johnny Chiodini. You are more than welcome. Thank you, Alex Lolis. Thank you. Thank you, Alex Meehan. It's great. It's, it's been wonderful. And I am me, Matt Jarvis. Thank you all for listening. Uh, until we catch you again, have a lovely day. Bye. Bye. Bye.